B2C digital marketing is steadily becoming more competitive. Consumers are so much more skeptical and because they're bombarded with so many ads, emails, and marketers are expected to achieve more with less budget, less data, less reach on social and more competition, it can feel like a struggle. I get it. But one thing's for sure, in this new world, average ads, average emails, average attempts at SEO, and in general, average B2C marketing is not going to get results. Thanks for listening. See you next week. <laughs> I'm joking. You can still win. You just need to be significantly better. Well, the good news is today we're going to be running through seven B2C digital marketing ideas that you can implement to win in this terrifying hellscape. I mean, modern economy. And if you're still listening to this podcast at this point, you've already heard four of them in action. Cliffhanger, let's go. Welcome to the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Welcome to the Exposure Ninja Digital Marketing Podcast. My name is Tim Cameron Kitchen. I am founder of Exposure Ninja. We are a digital marketing agency that helps our clients get more leads and sales from their website. And in this episode of the Exposure Ninja Podcast, which is all about helping you generate more leads and sales online, we're going to talk about B2C marketing techniques that you can be using over the next year to significantly improve your results. Now, these concepts do also apply to B2B as well, but the examples that we're going to be talking through are B2C. So get ready, let's get stuck in. And of course, as always, if you want to watch the video version of this and see the examples live on the screen, then you can head over to our YouTube channel. Just go to YouTube and search Exposure Ninja B2C Marketing. Okay, we're going to be talking about seven principles here. I'm going to run you through some examples and explain them to you so you can get the info in your ears while you're in the gym or driving or whatever you're doing or maybe falling asleep, who knows, uh, so that you don't have to look at the screen. But if you do want to look at the screen, and head over to YouTube. All right, principle number one is understand your audience. Now, before you tune out, yeah, yeah, Tim, I know, I know my target audience, you know, I've got my audience avatar and that type of thing that you've always told us to do. Stop banging on about this understand your audience thing. Help me out, I'm gonna give you something new here. Now, I'm not talking about designing your customer avatar. We have been through that. I'm talking about finding a hook that resonates and positioning yourself in a way that stands out. Let's look at an example from the world of earplugs. Boring, right? Well, maybe not. If you go to loopearplugs.com, you will see an example of a B2C business that really understands its audience. Now, Loop is selling earplugs, but it's doing so in quite an original way. They are targeting a very different audience to the sort of typical uh, positioning of earplugs. They're targeting what seems to be a younger audience. All of the images in the product pictures are younger people. And this is a very fun, well-presented website. Uh, they are focusing on the sort of technology technology aspects of it. The product imagery is quite Apple. They even have collaborations with Tomorrowland, which is a festival, like a collaboration on earplugs. That is just a crazy concept, right? But they know their target audience. They know their audience responds well to collabs. So that's exactly what they've done. 
Um, they've also identified particular niches, we'll talk about this later on, uh, which can benefit from these earplugs. So they're sort of targeting those, for example, um, people who have noise sensitivity and the positioning and the, and the message here is manage your anxiety and experience true calm. So they're selling earplugs to people who maybe just want to turn down the outside world a little bit in order to feel a bit better about things. Now, this is a brand that really understands their audience. The website is well worth a visit at loopearplugs.com. Pretty unique looking product as well, which also helps to kind of encourage people to rethink what they understand about this product. If you're selling earplugs that kind of look like all other earplugs, then you have a sort of price and a position anchored to what's already out there. If they look completely different or there's something about them that's very different, for example, these are quite trendy, you can see them being uh, quite fashionable, then people's anchors are broken and, and you can set a uh, sort of you can recalibrate people uh, with price and things like that which is how loop is able to charge sort of 40 pounds for a pair of earplugs versus you know the disposable ones that you get from a chemist now we've got more podcasts all about target audience and stuff like that so we're not going to go through this in more detail but uh, definitely check out loop as an example of a business that truly understands their target audience and particularly has taken some aspects of what's going to be most important to their target audience and position their product very well for those individual people or those niches. Okay, the second thing we're going to be talking about is paid search. Now, paid search is fairly well established, but we actually think it's going to be due a renaissance thanks to generative AI in search results. And if you haven't heard about generative AI in search results, Google and Bing both bringing generative AI into their search results in an attempt to answer searchers' questions on the search results page, um, maybe preventing them from needing to go to uh, third-party websites to get more information for some informational searches. Now, Bing has been testing embedding ads into their generative AI answers for quite some time. For example, if you do a chat with Bing Chat, which is powered by ChatGBT, and say, for example, like, what's the cheapest Honda car? Um, then one of the answers that we've got has been uh, the cheapest Honda car for 2023 is the Civic Sport, which starts at around $24,650, according to True Car. And then there's a little ad thing above it, which is a citation, which is a paid citation. Okay, so that is a card dealer who is paying to have their little um, their, their link inserted into that answer if somebody wants to click on that answer to get more info. Okay, so it doesn't necessarily mean that they've sponsored the answer. It just means that they've uh, had their website be the citation or the reference link there and they've paid for that visibility. So it's a really original way of advertising to get in front of people. Now Google with its um, search generative experience also has been testing ads in the SGE and they show some examples on their website as well. For example, where people are searching for, you know, recommended holidays or recommended products to take on holiday, and they've got shopping ads actually built into the SGE answers. Now, I think to be honest, both of these implementations of ads into generative AI search results need a bit of work and it'll take time for the search engines to read the user feedback to understand how best to use ads in AI search results. But the point here is that these platforms are going to be spending more than ever to serve up generative AI answers to people. So they're going to be very keen to push ads into those results. They need a way of making their money back on what it's costing them 
in compute to get these generative AI answers to millions and then eventually to billions of searches. So they're going to be very incentivized to make sure ads are a big part of this. So how do we prepare for this, given that paid search in particular seems to be very well positioned for a generative AI future? Well, the first thing is to make sure that you're running paid search already. If we're expecting the number of advertisers to increase, which we are, as more people who are maybe seeing a reduction in some of their organic traffic as a result of this are moving into paid search. You want to have well-established, profitable, successful campaigns. You want to be working from that good baseline as paid search gets more competitive. These platforms are also bringing out tools to make um, ads using generative AI. Now, to be honest, most of them will be bang average and not particularly useful, but they are going to lower the barrier to entry. So we're expecting to see more sort of plucky novices pouring into Google ads using generative AI to make some fairly average ads. And of course, that's going to increase the cost unless you're one of the top performing ad accounts, in which case you're able to pay more for your clicks and profitably because you have a very dialed in set of campaigns, you've got high performing landing pages, large audience lists and all that stuff. If you're not already going hard on paid search, now is the time to get those things established and make sure that your paid search campaigns are performing well. So that as generative AI rolls out, you can get your ads showing in however it's showing up without having to test from the ground up when you're competing against all these plucky noobs. Okay, the third thing we're going to talk about today is positioning and niches. Modern challenger brands are growing by picking off niches. Let me give you an example from the world of insurance, which is particularly unsexy, uh, and life insurance, which is possibly the least sexy of all the unsexy insurances, because the person you're selling it to doesn't even get the benefit of it. How rubbish is that? Firstly, they have to think about their own death, and secondly, they don't even get the benefit. So selling life insurance can be tricky. Well, there's a few businesses that are doing a great job of this and going direct to consumer to do so. The first is Dead Happy from deadhappy.com. Now, they have positioned themselves very differently to other life insurance firms. They're taking a slightly tongue-in-cheek look at life insurance. They've got a laughing skull, you know, just the name Dead Happy. It's talking about death. You make a death wish, wish, which is how you want your life insurance payout to be spent and all this type of thing. So they're taking a very original approach. Their branding is very different. It's clear that they're targeting younger people, which is actually kind of a smart move for an insurer, right? Because you're going to be having fewer payouts insuring younger people, just like Vitality trying to insure healthy people for health insurance, where you're going to have few payouts if your target audience is the least likely to die, right? <laughs> so that's great. Life insurance without the bullshit is one of their sub headlines, which is not the sort of thing you get on most life insurance websites. So what they've done here is they've niched down life insurance to young people. And by doing so, they can target an audience which most life insurance companies aren't really that bothered at targeting, which is a very savvy thing to do. Another example of a life insurance company that is niched down is Polly. Now, Polly is a UK life insurance company, uh, polly.co.uk, and this is life insurance for mums, okay? Life insurance for mothers. So all of their content on their, on their website is all about mums. The above the fold image is a mum who's pregnant. All the images on the homepage are mums with their children, which is a savvy move, right? Because the mum isn't buying this for her. She's buying it for 
the children. They're talking about, you know, children being left without mothers and all this type of stuff. They're really pulling the emotional heartstrings and it really makes sense. So why is this sort of niching and t choosing one specific audience to, to position to. Why is this a good one? Well, firstly, it narrows your focus. Polly and Dead Happy, they don't have to outspend established insurance companies to reach every single human. What they can do, particularly Polly, is devote their attention to channels that mothers are spending their time in. So they know the websites, they know the search phrases, they know the influencers that their target audience is going to be following. So it makes their marketing job much easier. Secondly, it makes product market fit easier and easier to communicate. Virtually everything in their marketing can very specifically call out their target audience. If you're selling life insurance to everyone, what sort of images do you use on the site? right? It, well, Dead Happy is kind of doing this. They're selling it to young people, but the images that they have to use on the site are very generic, right? They're not specific people. Whereas Polly is able to use, you know, basically the same gender, the same age as the target customer. So as a target customer, when you land on this page, everyone you see on this site is you. All of the copy is tuned to you. All of the fears that they're tapping into are the ones that have motivated you to land on this page. So that makes product market fit and communication of that product market fit much easier. Now, yes, by doing this, they shrink their potential target audience base. Absolutely. By targeting just mums, they're writing off like 80% of the population. And the reason I say that is because they're not just targeting mums. It looks like they're targeting new mums and young mums. So they're writing off a huge portion of the population. But here's the great thing. This business is owned by a company called Clark and Clark own a range of niche life insurance companies. Polly, life insurance for super mums. Tom, life insurance for dads, Winston, life insurance for the over 50s, and then Anorak, which is a smart online insurance advisor. So they have niched life insurance, and then they have taken that model and applied it to different niches. Brilliant, because it makes their marketing job so much easier. So think about whether there are particular audience segments that you can narrow your focus to in order to get greater resonance and higher leverage from your marketing. Okay, principle number four is social responsibility and emphasizing what you're doing around society and the environment and in particular your company values. Now, before you tune out, before you decide that this is a pile of rubbish or before you decide that this is so obvious, depending on where you sit on that spectrum, remember that when we're talking about social responsibility and environment, what we are doing is we are designing for our target audience. Okay, we're designing for our target audience. Now, according to Harvard Business School, 70% of Americans believe it's either somewhat or very important for companies to make the world a better place. 70% of Americans believe it's somewhat or very important for companies to make the world a better place. Now, compare this to 37% who believe it's import most important for a company to make money for shareholders. So people believe that companies should be making the world a better place. And to be honest, most people who are running companies also believe that. So 
What we need to do is make sure that anything we're doing in the company, which is designed to make the world a better place, is being properly communicated through our marketing. The types of things that consumers are looking for in ethical businesses are things like they sell ethically sourced products, they treat their staff well, they are transparent with customers, they avoid false marketing claims, they strive for constant improvement, you know, they admit when they make mistakes, that type of thing. So our job as marketers is to make sure that we're taking the great stuff that's going on in our companies and we're showcasing this to the world knowing that a portion of our target audience a large portion of our target audience is going to consider this stuff very important so there are a few ways to do this but one of the most common ways is to have a page or content on your site which is dedicated to your values. So taking Candy Kittens as an example, Candy Kittens is a, a UK-based gourmet confectionery company at candykittens.co.uk and I'm on their sustainability page. Uh, there's also a mission page as well on the site. Now this page basically breaks down what they consider to be most important. So things like the fact that they're carbon neutral, they're recyclable, they don't have animal gelatin in their product, they're a B Corp, uh, they don't use palm oil, these types of things are really important to them. And there's uh, quotations from company leadership about how important they think this is. Now this is really important to their target audience and we'll talk about which audiences this stuff is most important to in just a minute. Another example from a completely different place is uh, B&M, not the, uh, the retailer in the UK, this is actually a a construction consultancy firm and they also talk about their philosophy on their website they talk about their values and their values are pretty you know pretty generic stuff to be honest delivering client success integrity and honesty people first collaboration growth expertise partnership i don't think any business wouldn't have these values but the fact that they are specifying them on their website is really important because yes some people would just look at them and go well whatever it's like corporate values who cares about that stuff but actually for a great proportion of people. This stuff really, really does matter and it is important. Now we do this at Exposure Ninja. Uh, we became a B Corp this year after a huge amount of work and a very long wait. Uh, we became a B Corp because this is something that we decided was really important to do. I recognize that we've got a lot of ninjas at Exposure Ninja that really want to be proud of the place they work at. I recognize also that we make a lot of choices behind the scenes which um, sort of uh, match with the B Corp philosophy and a lot of the B Corp principles. So we thought, okay, great. Well, this is a a way of, you know, by getting certified, this is a way of demonstrating that we are committed to these principles and that Exposure Ninja exists, not just to enrich the shareholders, but actually to make the world a better place and do something of meaning. So we are B Corp. We have B Corp all over our website. We are also uh, climate positive. So we plant um, a lot of trees to offset not just our team's uh, carbon emissions while they're at work and the company's carbon emissions, but we also offset our entire team throughout their, you know, their lives outside of work as well. So everyone at Exposure Ninja is uh, not carbon positive. That's the wrong way of looking at it. But um, we we offset their carbon, their climate positive. We also um, emphasize the fact that we're outstanding place to work and that we're disability confident as well. And by having these things on our website, we're not using these as like marketing hacks. We're using these as signals to people who are or who also share the, these values to say, okay, we have these values too. Like we're in the same place. We're talking the same language. We have the same um, priorities. Now it's younger generations that most care about 
um, the, the, this type of thing. Perhaps unsurprisingly, right? There was a fantastic study I read from uh, Aflac, and this was talking about the, um, the 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 difference in perception amongst different age group investors on how important um, environment and societal uh, value was to the investments that they're making, and. So boomers, baby boomers, 7% of them considered it to be important. They considered a company's role in improving society and the environment as making a great contribution to their total value. 7% of boomers, 10% of Gen Xs, and 14% of millennials. So twice as many millennials considered these things to be uh, very important as boomers. So this is undoubtedly a um, something that's more important to younger generations. And that means that companies which take a stand now will only benefit further as consumers continue to age, right? One thing I would say here, though, is be legit. Don't just do this as a tick box. Don't, you know, just plaster up a bunch of stuff for the sake of it, hoping that you're going to greenwash people or trick people into thinking that you're a, you know, a great company as you're pumping out, you know, sewage into people's homes or whatever, whatever terrible things that you might be doing. Today's consumers are savvy and they'll see right past that side of thing and, you know, beat you over the head with your vegan shoe. So you need to make sure that you're doing this legitimately. Um, Have a dialogue with your, with the employees in your company who are most interested in this side of things. If it's a, if, if it's a new area for you, consider upsetting, you know, we have environmental and diversity inclusion committees inside the company where we can give a platform to people who are most passionate and knowledgeable about these areas so that they can guide our policies and they can help us become a better company. So, you know, you have to follow through with this thing. This isn't like a marketing sticker that you put on things in order to try and increase your conversion rate. Um, It's very difficult to track on that basis. I would just say do it because it's important to you and it's something that you want to do and that your company wants to do, knowing that also it will resonate with a portion of your time target audience. Okay, principle number five is personalization. Now, where you can personalize your customer experience, and this has a number of different um, areas which it touches. For example, website content. Now, not always possible for everyone to do a sort of Amazon or Netflix style dynamic content piece where you're showing people uh, products that are most relevant to them based on their purchase history. But there are often ways that you can build in personalization to your website, even if you're not doing an Amazon type thing. So, for example, showing people who bought this also bought or you might want to consider buying this with the product that you've got in your basket and um, that type of thing or giving questionnaires which help people tailor their product recommendations to their particular needs. There's ways of doing personalization without spending as much as Amazon has on uh, creating massive amounts of dynamic content on the site. Another way of personalizing your marketing content is segmenting your email marketing list. Now we've talked about this before. It's absolutely vital to make sure that you're able to run targeted promotions to customers customers that have shown interest in one particular product type. If if you've just got one email list and you're blasting out the same stuff to everyone, unless you have a very narrow product range, there's going to be a decent proportion of that um, email list, which is getting stuff which isn't relevant for them. Think of your own Gmail promotions tab, for example. Total nightmare. To cut through that, you're going to have to be giving your people, your subscribers, very tailored and relevant stuff that is of genuine interest to them. 
Another area that you probably want to consider is targeted landing pages. Now we see this a lot and we do this a lot even with, you know, let's say that there's a, I'm looking at a landing page for a plumbing company. This is a national plumbing company, a very large company. But what they've done is they've created tailored landing pages for each of the locations that they're advertising against on PPC. Why are they doing this? Because they know that a targeted landing page with the location information in it is more likely to convert than just a national page which just looks like a national lead gen, which is basically exactly what this is, right? So specific, personalized content wherever you can across your marketing. Okay, number six, uh, marketing channel strategy or tactic number six for B2C is digital PR. Now, a little like paid search, we think that digital PR is another channel that is due a renaissance thanks to AI. As generative AI is crawling through mountains of high authority publications to train itself, you want to be making sure that you're featured on those publications. Uh, you want to be making sure that you're featured on the sort of sites that Google and Bing are referencing when they are putting together their generative AI answers so that you are then being recommended in these generative AI answers. Now, we've been doing digital PR since, well, I've personally been doing it since 2013. We've had a digital PR comp uh, team at Exposure Ninja since 2014. Don't get me wrong, getting your business featured in the sorts of publications read by your target audience, high authority publications, has always been amazing for branding, traffic, and credibility. But now the fact that that it could also be handy for generative AI it makes digital PR a total no-brainer uh, in 2023 and beyond. Now I'm going to talk you through an example which I'm looking at on the screen here um, of digital PR in action. So this is an article in the Independent on the Independent website, which is a I don't know, it's like DA98 website in the UK. Uh, they are a national newspaper with a very high authority website. And this particular article is all about the opioid epidemic and opioid overprescription putting lives at risk. So this is a very trending topic, um, very, very current and very, very important as well. Now we've got a client in the addiction clinic space. We've actually just won a couple of global search awards for our work on their campaign. And we've got uh, this client in the addiction clinic space. We wanted to get them some coverage around this topic because we know that it's one of the areas that they get uh, new clients into their business for is, is opioid addiction. So when we found out that this uh, journalist was writing this article, we um, contacted them to give them a story from our client about one of their uh, patients who uh, basically credits the clinic with saving his life um, after going on a supervised detox and addiction uh, treatment. So the coverage in this article um, basically tells this person's story and links through to their website with their brand name. It's incredible. A fantastic uh, credibility for the business, of course. And then if anybody is considering you know, uh, a loved one who might be suffering from opioid pre uh, prescription uh, addiction, well, they're going to read this because it's interesting. It's talking about exactly what's going on. And here is a link to a clinic that has been credited with saving someone's life in this exact situation. So the relevance is absolutely bang on. This is super valuable.
And of course, having a high authority link from a site like this does not hurt the SEO either. But you can be creative with your newsjacking or your digital PR as well. We've been featured in all sorts of places. Uh, and probably the most random one, I would say, is uh, I'm currently looking at an article on Daily Express US, which is a, a national newspaper in the UK, and there's a US site as well. This is an article about how Madonna has had to delay her celebration tour after an ICU health scare. Now, a journalist was reaching out on Twitter Twitter asking for opinions on this and one of our digital PR team who's a bit of a fan of Madonna decided that she would pipe up and give her opinion. Uh, so the quote here is Annabelle Bott of Exposure Ninja and there's a link to Exposure Ninja's website told Daily Express US Madonna's condition should not be underestimated as a minor issue. Intubation is an extreme measure taken only when absolutely necessary indicating a severe condition that can be quick can, that can quickly escalate if it's not addressed. So Annabelle's given her take here in order to get a link to Exposure Ninja on a Daily Express website about an from an article about Madonna's health scare. Right? It's a link. I'm not going to say it's super relevant. I'm not going to say it's going to build our credibility around Madonna's health or anything like that. But hey, it's a link. So you can be creative with your digital PR as well. Now we've got other podcasts and we've got videos on our YouTube channel all about digital PR. So I'm not going to go into more detail, uh, but we've got more content if you're interested in finding out exactly how we do this stuff. And uh, if you want some help with this, of course, then reach out, request a free website and marketing review from the team here at Exposure Ninja at ExposureNinja.com. And we will put together a plan showing you how we can do some of this stuff for your business. Okay, tip number seven is video marketing. For B2C brands, video marketing is vitally important and is likely to become even more important due to some of the changes happening with Google. So more about that in just a minute. Now, video marketing can often feel scary because you might be thinking, oh, this is, you know, super high production value. This is going to be really difficult. No, 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 not necessarily at all. Um, I'm going to show you, I'm going to talk through a few different examples. Now, the first example is from one of our clients, Golf Course Lawn. Uh, Golf Course Lawn is run by a fantastic chap called Ron Henry. And Ron has built a really good YouTube audience and some fantastic video views by basically sharing his geeky love of golf course quality lawns. Okay, so this is lawn care, like fertilizer, but positioned in a very cool way all about golf you know making your lawn like a golf course and Ron is super passionate about it and he's got videos here with over a hundred thousand views talking through exactly how to do this he's active on the shores his passion comes through really well in his videos and in his content and it's a great way of it's what he used to build his early business but now we've since helped him to take that to next level with SEO and content marketing but it's been a fantastic way for him to build a relationship with his audience and by using his personality in the videos, he's able to completely differentiate himself from other websites that are selling fertilizer. Because you're not just buying fertilizer, you're buying, you know, lawn care to make your lawn like a golf course. And you know, Ron, the founder of the company. This is the Exposure Ninja model, right? This is why I'm in our videos. Because people build a relationship with someone who is the figurehead of the company. And through that, they then become a customer of the company. Now, I think the undisputed masters in this area are Kendall, Kylie, Kim, to an extent, Chloe, but mainly the younger Kardashians. They are incredible at video marketing, in particular, Kylie. Now, I'm looking at a video here of Kylie's 
uh, 24K birthday collection makeup tutorial. This is an 11 minute 42 second infomercial essentially where Kylie's makeup artist is just applying makeup to her face, talking everyone through what they're doing. This is on her YouTube channel. It's had 4.4 million views in two years. And as far as I can see, it has had no paid promotion at all. Kylie's got 12 million subscribers on YouTube. This has had over 4 million views. This is pure product promotion. Now there's people in the comments saying, I'd love to see a full glam start to finish three hours long. These people absolutely love this. And this is why Kylie Cosmetics was valued at over a billion because she's built such a relationship with her fans through video marketing that they will buy the product. She doesn't have to pay for ads. She doesn't have to, you know, pay for reach. She doesn't have to market too hard at all. She's basically just filmed this really simple video. I think it's just one camera angle, someone putting makeup on, nice pink background, but that's pretty much it. And there you go. The product that's being sold in the thing, you can just click to buy it. So simple. Great job, Kylie. Now, people will dismiss this. Unsophisticated marketers will dismiss this because it's not the same as their business, right? They're thinking, well, yeah, but we don't sell makeup. We're not like Kylie, whatever, whatever. No, no, no. Don't do it. Go and watch the Kylie video, not because you care about makeup, not because you care about Kylie, though, of course, I hope that you do, but because you care about how to build a relationship with an audience in order to sell them products via organic reach with zero cost of distribution. Okay. That's what Kylie's really good at. Massive massive, massive distribution without paying anything for it. Think of their TV show, The Kardashians. They get paid to market to the masses. Incredible. What's their ad spend? I don't know. But the visibility they're getting from their organic reach is going to eclipse what their, what their combined businesses are spending on paid ads. And that's really the power of building in some sort of personality into your video marketing. And by the way, your productions don't need to be slick. Um, go and check out the Geolingo TikTok if you're in any doubts here. With TikTok and short form video, your production in particular doesn't need to be slick. It can just be filmed on your phone. That is totally okay. That is what people expect. Now, I mentioned that video marketing was potentially going to become even more important in the future uh, thanks to some changes at Google. And this is uh, Google's Perspectives. So Google's Perspectives is a filter that Google is adding to search results, which basically um, shows you uh, the perspectives of individual content creators when you run a search. So let's say that you run a search like, I don't know, best makeup kits or best vegan shoes, and you saw the perspectives filter. If you tap that, what you're going to see is you're going to see short form video primarily um, on TikTok and YouTube shorts with individual creators' opinions on the best makeup kits. Okay. And this is all video based. This is video search. Just like when people search on TikTok, this is video search on Google. Okay. And it's coming and they're probably going to build it into the main search results as well. It will start as a filter, but it'll probably get added to the main search results. Just like, you know, people also ask turn local listings and that type of thing for the searches that it's relevant for. So make sure that you're playing with video marketing, you're experimenting how to do this. Now, if you enjoyed these seven tips, there are three more on the Exposure Ninja blog. So you can head over to our website, ExposureNinja.com, go to the blog section and click on the B2C marketing tips to get the other three tips. While you're on the Exposure Ninja website, don't forget to request your free website and marketing review from the team here at Exposure Ninja. If you apply through the form, what will happen is if you're eligible, we will record you a 15 minute video showing you how to generate more leads and sales through your website over the next six to 12 months. We'll send it to you usually within a couple of working days, completely free of charge. This service is fantastic. 
fantastic, really fantastic. So go to ExposureNinja.com forward slash review to request your free website and marketing review today. Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you next week.